Father, trusting you is easier said and sang about than done. Wrestling with you, Lord, or with the temptations of life and being able to to believe that we can literally live in victory. Lord, to make big decisions in life and, and to trust that we are doing really what is your perfect plan. It, it seems like a unadded and maybe un, sometimes unnecessary step when we have all the faculties and all the facts before us to make a, a strong decision in and of our own right minds. But Lord, You've called us to trust. And many times to quit trying and start trusting. And so Lord, I pray today that You would just raise the lid on our life. Lord, enable us to be set free to journey with You without detour or dead end. We might be able to walk in confidence and know that we are living according to Your will, according to Your plan, as You've designed for us. So Lord, involving in that is trust. So begin, help us Lord, to begin today to walk in such a relationship with You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know how you are in your, in your life and how much you consult God in the decisions before the decisions that you make in life. I don't think a, a lot of people actually spend a lot of time waiting for God. They might ask God a little bit, but then they kind of jump into it and follow where their instincts lead them. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of like I've done a lot of times in my life, and that is, God, this is what I want to do, and this is what I'm going to do, now would you bless it? You know, this is where I'm going, this is the job I'm taking, this is the decision I'm going to make, this is the purchase I'm going to, I'm going to make, now God, would you bless it and provide the funds for it? Instead of doing it kind of on the reverse side and say, God, what are you blessing, and I want to join in on what you're blessing. Totally different concept, totally different paradigm on how to make decisions in life, when no longer am I in front and asking God to come behind me, cleaning up my messes and blessing my life, but instead now He's in front and I'm following in His footsteps, I'm following in His way, totally different paradigm. Most people don't take the time to develop such an in-depth relationship with God, so keenly aware of His voice, so in tune to His voice, that they would listen to that. They say, hey, because i got a job promotion offer, I'm going to take it. It must be God's will. Or I go into the financier's office to buy a new car, and hey, the financing worked out, surprisingly. I'm going to buy it. You know, that was my fleece, or something like that. They'll throw in some kind of Bible reference, and not even really know the whole story behind that. But, but they'll throw that in there just to kind of help, uh, I guess, Christianize, galvanize, Christianize, uh, marinate their decisions in God. You know, I think you could probably find more people like that than... The lady, Hannah Smith, who was a devout Quaker, wrote a story uh, about her. And I, I think more are on that extreme that I just explained than the way Hannah Smith describes this lady. This lady would actually, before, as she woke up every morning, and she was a very devout Quaker, she would pray, God, do you want me to get out of bed? 
Now, some of us would like to be able to pray that and not get out of bed until we hear that voice of God. But anyway, she would lie there until she heard what she thought was the voice of God. And then the next prayer was, God, do you want me to get dressed today? You know, that's a prayer that, 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 that she might pray. And, and, you know, she would then ask, okay, God, do you want, what do you want me to wear? And, okay, God, what do you want me to put on first? And which I think God's got a great sense of humor. I could just see God kind of playing with that a little bit. Okay, wear your clothes in reverse today. I want you to, to put your socks on top of your shoes. But literally, she would go out some days, and she would have one kind of shoe on and then another kind of shoe on. Now, I think that that's a person who's probably taken life a little too seriously. That, that they're praying through every bit of article of clothing and how and when and where to put it all on. But I don't think there's many examples of that. I think that's the kind that you read about in a book somewhere. I think the day-to-day examples of most people are over here on this end of the pendulum, and that is that I'm going to make a decision, I'm going to hope God blesses it. And I think the danger of that is, is that we find ourselves many times living according to our plan and not living according to God's plan. Now that might right there, that statement right there may kind of... Sh- rattle some of your cages a little bit to think that God might have a plan for your life. But in Jeremiah, and one of my favorite verses, many people, this is one of their favorite verses, when they, once they discover it, they'll even go so far as to memorize it. John three sixteen, and then Jeremiah 29. This is the one that they jump in and memorize. So I want you to look at this verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Beautiful verse. Now notice in there, he says, I have plans. God said this. Know the plans, for I know the plans I have for you. Would you say that with me, declares the Lord? Okay, say it, ready? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now that right there is a wonderful promise. That God has a plan for your life. If you read in the Psalms, it talks about how he has your days preordained. All right? He has actually got it mapped out for your life. It's pretty cool. You go on and you read that verse and just notice how many times, in fact, every time you see that word plans, just underscore it, you'll begin to see that it's obviously the key part of this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for your life. It's a plan that is wonderful and exciting and adventuresome. It's not always going to be easy, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But the exciting thing is today is that I can, I can give you with full biblical assurance is that God has a plan for you. It's a plan for a future. It's a plan with hope. It's a plan for opportunity. He's got opportunities before you. He's going to have challenges before you. But the cool thing is, is that you can know God has a plan. Now, here's a question you've got to ask yourself, and I can't answer it for you. Are you on your plan or are you on God's plan? Whose plan are yon? And again, are we, do, are we living that kind of life where I'm going to make a decision to ask God to bless it, or am I going to find out what God's doing and then get in on what God's blessing? And this is going to take some, uh, some spiritual energy inside of you. It's going to take some disciplines inside of you that you might have to wait before you make that urgent, impulsive decision. That's so urgent out there. That's really just an impulsive decision. Am I on God's plan or am I on my plan? And I think one of the ways that we have to really wrestle with this is really say, okay, who's in my prayers, in my life, as I make a decision, whose heart is beating hardest here? If my heart is beating the hardest here and I'm longing for this, it may be God's plan, but it may not be. Whose heart am I listening to? 
I think Bob Pierce prayed it so well when he said, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. That's a pretty cool prayer. And think about that. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. This man, obviously, I think Bob had a very much a gift of mercy. He had a merciful heart, and he, his heart was breaking over here, but God's heart was breaking over here. He says, God, I want my heart to break for what your heart breaks over. Bob Pierce ends up becoming one of the instrumental players in creating and establishing World Vision and Samaritan's Purse. Bob Pierce prayed a prayer, God, I want my heart to line up with your heart so that my heart's breaking over the same things your heart's breaking over. This is a man who's getting on God's plan. This is a man who's saying, okay, God, I want to line up with you. I want to be on your plan, that plan of hope and the future and a plan to bring prosperity. And I don't think everybody's going to have Cadillacs or whatever. I'm not saying that kind of prosperity. But God will bless your life. I'll put it like that. And I don't know to what degree and I don't know how. But God wants to do these things in our life. He has a plan. My challenge for us today is to know God's plan, love God's plan, and live God's plan. If you think about the Israelites, God had a plan for the Israelites when he led them out into the desert with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You can read about this in your own time in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. God returned the people of Babylon to Assyria, from Babylon and Assyria exile, by setting Cyrus on the throne and stirring within his own heart in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. God had a plan for Jesus in Hebrews 10. Seven. God had a plan for Paul in Acts 21:14. God had a plan for Philip uh, to go over to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. God, throughout time, has had plans for people's lives. Am I on God's plan or am I on my own plan? Jesus was so devout and so committed to God, knowing God's plan. He wanted to be on that plan, stay on that plan, live on that plan, journey on that plan. He said in John chapter 4, verse 34, it says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, I get up in the morning, I go to sleep at night, I eat throughout the day, and everything I'm thinking about is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is a man that's devoted to the plan that God had for his life. And thank God, because he didn't stop until he finished on the cross. He didn't decide to do his own plan. When he was suffering and bleeding and drops of blood in the garden against him, he says, God, I've got a better plan here. I think I can accomplish the same end if you'll let me do it my way. He said, God, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Remember that prayer? Thank God Jesus was not on his plan, but he was on the Father's plan. Are you on God's plan or are you on your plan? It's one of those things that you have to think about. And I think about life as being a journey. And how is it that I get on God's plan and so that when I'm on God's plan, I avoid all of the detours and all of the dead ends of life? And just think about life as this big journey. And so just thinking about in preparation for this message, I was thinking about places I would like to go. And I'd really like to see all the natural wonders of the world that I can. Not man-made wonders, but the natural wonders of the world. And one of those is the Grand Canyon. We used to live next door to Victoria Falls, about 10 minutes from it. Beautiful place to live and uh, to have a family and to see Victoria Falls, one of the seven natural wonders of the world. But, uh, but one of those natural wonders of the world is in, is in America. It's the Grand Canyon. I've never been to the Grand How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Okay. I Googled the Grand Canyon and what it would take to drive from here to the Grand Canyon. And uh, 
It's about 2,400 miles round trip. That right there scares me, okay? And I got it on the map, and it's just mapping all the way across from, from, uh, from, from Arkansas all the way over to, to, to the Grand Canyon. A lot of miles. But you know what? If you're going to take a trip, wouldn't it be great if you take a trip that you find the best plan, the path of least resistance, the fastest trip there, and, and get there? And so you can get there and come back and enjoy the trip, enjoy your destination, enjoy the journey as much as the destination. Well, the, the key is, is to have a good plan and to follow that plan. Well, I don't know whose plan again you're following, but I hope you're following God's plan. How do you do that? How do you follow God's plan in this world so that I can avoid some of the detours and the, uh, and the, and the dangers and the pitfalls and the dead ends of life? I want you to take your notes out and you can follow along. But take your Bibles and open to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Very familiar passage of Scripture to some. Proverbs chapter 3, just two verses, verse 5 and 6. And uh, these, these are, again, verses worthy of memorizing. Worthy of memorizing and kind of locking in and just, just constantly going back as you make a decision. As you make that decision, you really believe it's God's decision for your life and you really believe it's according to His plan for your life that as you make this decision that then you follow these steps. Because I really think if you don't follow these steps, then you might find yourself on a detour or a dead end very quickly. It says in verse 5 of Proverbs chapter 3, it says, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Now, He even gives the imagery of a journey or of a path or of a trail. He talks about it right there, and He breaks it down for us. And how are we going to journey through this life avoiding the detours and the dead ends of this world? Because there's going to be many of them. They're going to have many options out there. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were a little upset because I didn't attend a certain event. It was a very good event. And the thing is, I told this, I said, I apologize, I couldn't be there. My schedule was already chock-a-block full. I just couldn't be there. It was a good event and a good event and a good event. And I just said, you know what? All my decisions I make in my life right now are between what's good and best in my life. And I have to make between what's good and best. And that was just not the best decision for my life. Was it a bad event? Was it a bad thing? No. It was just not the best thing for my life. And so being able to discern and sort through all the decisions that we'll have to, all the minutia and the decisions we have to make in life is going to be very key. Youth, if you're making decisions right now about college and career and all that kind of stuff, get ready. You're going to need to follow these steps. Otherwise, you'll find yourself on a detour or on a dead-end street someday with a whole lot of heartache at the end of it. And a whole lot of money, typically, that ties into that heartache. All right, here's the first way that I think we can avoid a lot of the detours of life. He spells it out right here. One is you need to follow a trusted navigator. You need to have a trusted navigator. The man is more important than the plan. Let me say that. Now, everything I've said so far is that you need to have, be on God's plan. You need to know God's plan. God has a plan for your life and blah, 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 blah. Okay, but here it is. Let me tell you this. More important than the plan, it's the man. More important than having a, having a good map, it's having a good navigator. All right? It's having a good person to be able to guide you through all of life. But I'm afraid that there's so many people in this world that are more interested in God's will than they are interested in knowing God. I want to say that again because you really have to, again, sort through your motivations in life. More people in this world are interested in knowing God's will 
for their life than they are about knowing God. Do you want to know God? Do you want to have an intimate relationship with this navigator God who wants to lead you and guide you through life and the decisions that you have to make? Or do you just want to know his plan and just move on? Just kind of fax it to me, email it to me, God, give it to me, a web link, and I'll, I'll link up with you and I'll follow you as best I can. He wants a relationship. He wants to be in a love relationship with you and with me that will alter our lives and our perspective and everything. He wants that kind of relationship with us. Are you more interested in the plan or the man? Because you've got to have the plan because the life is a... Listen, if, the, if life is a journey, you better choose a good travel partner. You better choose somebody who's going to travel with you and travel with you faithfully and lead you and not lead you astray. And be with you and be a traveling companion that will be fun, that will be good, that will be beneficial. That's the kind of relationship we're talking about here. What does he say in verse 5? He says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Who's your traveling companion? The traveling companion, well, the traveling companion is the Lord. Now, that word trust is a very difficult word. We kind of throw it around. Do you trust me? And, and do I trust you? And do you trust that person? And it's a word that maybe we can throw around a lot. You have, you have a broken relationship, therefore you have a hard time trusting people. We all have to deal with trust issues all the time. Do you trust your employer that at the end of your life of giving into this company, that at the end of your life your, your benefits are going to really be worth something when you get there? Are you trusting them? Trust is a word we deal with all the time. Do you trust your tires? Do you trust your car? Do you trust your home to withstand in a storm? Do you trust? Do you trust? Do you trust? What's the word trust about? The word trust is actually an Aramaic word that means refuge means to go and to hide yourself into something, under something. So when the storm comes, so when, uh, so, so when uh, trials come, so when life comes and life will come, then you have something safe to harbor your life in uh, uh, under. He, he brings us two things here. He tells us, first of all, the object of our trust. He says, trust in the Lord. So what is our arbor? What is our anchor? What is our, what is our safe place in this relationship? He says, trust in the Lord. The object of your trust is the Lord. Now here's the problem. Let's all admit it. We have no problem trusting in ourselves. We have no problem trusting in our bronze, our beauty, our brains. We have no problem trusting in what we can conjure up and how we can rationalize it and how we can calculate it. We have no problem with that. We do that all the time. The problem is, is when you are finding trust in something, you're only, listen, here's a life principle, you've got to get it down. You are only as strong as the object of your trust. If your trust is solely in a relationship, when that relationship fails and doesn't work out right, guess what? Now you're broken. Now you're weak. Now you're, you, you feel deflated. Now your life is crumbling apart. When your trust is in the Lord, guess what? You're going to be strong. Because He's strong. He doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. He doesn't cash us in. He doesn't give up on us. Trust in the Lord. The object of our trust is in the Lord. The Lord is our safe, strong refuge. Proverbs 28, verse 26 says this, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. If all you do is trust in yourself and where your brain's brawn and beauty can get you, then you will fail. Beauty will fade. Your brains will have limits. Your brawn will get weak. You will fail. You're a fool, the Bible says. Those who trust in themselves... In their own hearts, they're full. Beware of that. 
When you think about a strategy of war, one of the strategies of war that's always been around is whenever you attack, you attack at the at, at not the weak at the weak point necessarily, and not even where there's a, a, you can gain a few small victories. You go in and when you make your attack, you attack where you can do the most damage, where hopefully in one blow the war will be over. All right, I used to have playground fights, and if I was writing a playground or a locker room fight with somebody, I'd say, listen, when you hit, you make sure you hit hard the first time because you don't want them to come back at you. All right, now I'm not telling kids how to go fight a fight, but that's just one thing I learned because I know that whenever I hit them, they're going to come back at me, so hit hard the first time. Well, what do you do when you're at war? When you're at war, you hit hard and you hit where the trust is. You trust in yourself, where is Satan going to hit you? He's going to hit you at yourself. You trust in your brawn, he's going to hit you at your brawn. You trust in your beauty, whatever it is that you're trusting, your finances, where he's going to attack is he's going to attack your finances. Wherever it is that your, your, your trust is, that's where he's going to attack. What happened on 9-11? Think about it. 9-11, whenever they attacked America, they attacked us and they hit. They, they took these planes and these terrorists attacked our financial center. They attacked our Pentagon. And I don't think that they were aiming for the field on flight uh, United 94, I believe what the flight number was. I think they were actually adding, heading for the, cap, uh, for the Capitol. Either the White House or the Capitol building. What were they doing? They were trying to attack at our areas of trust. We trust our, our, our military might. We trust our governmental powers. We trust our financial institutions. And whenever we attack at this, that's exactly what they did in the Bible times. Proverbs 21, 22 says, A wise man attacks the city of the mighty and pulls down the strongholds in which they trust. So I, I'm, hang on with me for just a moment here. Where is Satan going to attack you? He's going to attack you at wherever area you trust. So if it's the relationship that you're centering your life around, guess what? He's going to attack your relationship. If it's your finances, where you're centering your whole hope on, he's going to attack there. Wherever it is, he's going to attack there. Unless you learn to trust in the Lord. Where's your object of your trust? We've got to get this down. He talks about the extent of our trust too. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not a little bit, but a whole lot. Trust in the Lord with everything that you are. You think about a, a trapeze person who's flying through the air with the greatest of ease. And what do they do? They let go. And this little swing swings back. They're hanging up in the air. Split second, seconds They're hanging there. They're waiting for the catcher to come over on the next trapeze. And it's perfectly timed and all of that. There's nets down below. Sometimes we live a life, though, without nets. I don't know if you realize that. But sometimes we swing out and we trust in something, and then we, oh, hope we're caught on the other side. Because if we're not caught, then we fall and we get hurt and life hurts and everything. You get bruised and bumped and everything. Okay, hang with me here. What's the most important thing for this trapeze artist to do? Is it to flail in, the, in, in, in that moment of, uh, of, of patience? Is it, is it to worry and anxiety? Is it to cry out? No, it's to just be patient. Because as they begin to fall, guess what will happen? That other trapeze artist will be there. And the thing is, I, I, I read this, that a trapeze artist, the one who's flying through the air, they don't do anything. They just hang there. Their bodies float down, and the catcher's job is to catch them. 
They don't grab a hold of the catcher. They are caught. You know what the thing about trust is? Is it's whenever we fling out and we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go with you. I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the, all the, the dots connected and I don't have all the big picture, but I just know that this is what you want me to do. And I'm just going to hang here until you catch me. Are we willing to trust the Lord? Many times we want to trust ourselves. Get ready because Satan will attack you at the point of your trust. The second part of avoiding a detour in life is no backseat driving, okay? Have a trusted navigator, number one, but also I would say no backseat driving. Now, how many of y'all know what a backseat driver is? Raise your hand. All right. How many of y'all live with a backseat driver? Raise your hand. All right. Uh, How many of y'all are backseat drivers? Raise your hand. Join the club. I'm a backseat driver. I tell you, and it's funny because we can no more than back out of our garage. And I'm wondering, when's she going to shut that garage door? Is she going to drive off? And I think Lori waits as long as she possibly can. As long as the remote can still shoot backwards and shut that garage door. Because I'm just looking over the shoulder waiting for it to go down. And it does and it doesn't. I typically give in. I have to say, are you going to shut that? And uh, and then we're going to Walmart, and I mean, who can't find your way to Walmart, all right? Well, I'm saying, you know, this other way is another way if this traffic gets a little thick here. You know, we can go this way, or they're working on the road over here. They're working on all the roads in northwest Arkansas. So, you know, here, here you go. She's, she's more than capable of making it to Walmart, but i got to help her, all right? And see, the problem is with our relationship with God and making decisions in life is that we want to sometimes kind of help God out. You know, if you're going to do the first part and you're going to have a trusted navigator and the quality of your navigator or the quality of your trust will determine the strength of your life, all right? So if you're trusting in the Lord, well, guess what? Now you can step back and you don't have to. You can just lean back in the seat and let God drive this ship from now on. Let God drive our lives. The problem is we want to lean forward and kind of help coach God out along the way, kind of give him some advice and help him advise him and so forth. But what does he say in verse 5? Because he knows we're all like this backseat driver thing. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Because guess what? When you trust God, he may take you a path you've never gone before. He may take you, and I guarantee you he will. He may cause you to do things, give things, serve things, all that kind of stuff that you never thought of doing before. But guess what? He takes you down this road and you start pushing back and say, God, no way. No, I can't do that. Whatever, whatever. And he's just saying, quit leaning on your own understanding. Quit telling me you can or can't do something. Because even if you can't, I can through you. Just hang with me here. Walk with me here. Jeremiah 10.23 in the Living Bible says, Oh Lord, I know it is not within the power of man to map his life and to plan his course. Wow, what a verse. We don't have what it all it takes to really navigate this world. We need help in our navigational skills. J.I. Packer, Knowing God, a classic book. This is earnest Christians seeking guidance often go wrong. Often the reason is that Their notion and the nature and the method of divine guidance is distorted. Lay themselves open to all sorts of delusions. We are always on the edge when we trust ourselves of ending up in delusional issues and problems. George Barna, a very good researcher in in just culture of modern day, he said, 
And many, many times he's studying Christian culture. And he, he points out that in all of his studies, he believes no less than of churchgoers. Churchgoers, that's you guys and me guys, okay? No less than 10% of churchgoers actually really take time to consult God, listen for God, wait for God, read Scripture when making major decisions in life. They look at life and they make a decision and they ask God. You know what that's telling me? That's telling me 90% of us in this room are making decisions based on our gut, based on our circumstances, based solely upon what pop opinion tells us. And we're not really taking time to trust in the Lord with all our heart and to make that decision with Him. That's a real danger that we won't take the time. We won't listen to the voice. We'll rely upon common sense. Listen, I'll tell you right now, and I can really harp on this in a while, I think one of the most dangerous elements in every human being is their common sense. Your common sense is made up of your worldview, your past experiences, your life experiences, your education, good or bad, your parents' experience. Your common sense is merely a compilation of your life. Now, if you've had a life of bad decisions, guess what? You've got a bad common sense. You may have made some good decisions in life, but just I'm just warning you, beware, do not lean on your own understanding. But trust the Lord with all your heart. No backseat driving. Number two. No, number three. Don't pack what you shouldn't carry. All right, you're going on this journey called life. Don't pack what you shouldn't carry. Be very careful. I mean, you can't even get on a plane today with a, without, with a Swiss Army knife. You just got to be careful. How many times have you thrown something away? I was recently, when we were coming back from Mali recently, I had a Coke can, an open Coke can, just carrying it in my carry-on. But no, they wouldn't even let me carry a Coke can on. What, what, you don't need to take certain things on a plane these days. Well, you know what? There's certain things that we pick up through life that we need to clean up out of our life. Be very, very careful about what is in our life that it doesn't begin to distort our life and distort where we are and to begin to detour or put us on a dead end street. Verse 6, it says it like this. He says, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Now, the key word there is all. Second key word there is acknowledge. Does all of Mike McDaniel acknowledge the Lord? Does my attitude, in all of my attitude, acknowledge the Lord? Is my relationship acknowledging the Lord? Now when I say acknowledging the Lord, I mean God is smiling on my relationship and my relationship is smiling at God. Is my attitude smiling up at God and God smiling on my attitude? Are my words smiling up at God and God pleased and honored in my words? And God smiling down on my words? The thing about it is you have to now go into the corners and the crevices and the cupboards of your life. And we have to pull it all out and we have to say, okay, is there anything in my life that is not acknowledging God that as I journey through life here that I need to unpack it and get rid of it? In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. You know, this last trip, again, to Mali was interesting because, as many of you all know, we, we went and 13 of our bags, all, or I guess it was 11 of our bags, I can't remember, 13 of our bags, uh, none of them made it. And uh, I have to say, this past trip was probably one of the most enjoyable 
uh, mission adventure trips. I always call them mission adventure trips now uh, that I've ever that I've ever led. It was just a real fun team, a great great time, and and anyway, just all worked together well. But when we get on the ground and we don't have 13 bags, and we wait a day later and we still don't have 13 bags, we don't have one of the 13 bags. All we have is our carry-on. And it was just a refreshing, again, it was a troublesome at that moment, but let me, I guess, tell you the story before I tell you the refreshing side of it. But it was kind of like going through this experience, like, okay, we're not going to have bags. And they even offered to say, you can stay in Bamako here in the capital city, and you don't even have to go out to the bush, and we'll figure out something for you to do here. But there was something in my heart that said, you know what? No, we did not come to stay in Bamako. We came to go to K-Village. We're going to go to K-Village. And so what we're going to do is we're going to figure it out and how to, how to live in the bush with our carry-on bags. And so the team rallied together. We, we ended up doing, and we got to the bush, and I tell you, we had to wash out our clothes every day, both sets, under and over clothes. If you had the under, all right? And TMI, I know. But, it, I mean, everything we had, we had to wash it out and relive it, and, 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 and it, it was an adventure. And you know what? When we even had a... Long story, I'll keep it short. We got back to the capital city and all of our bags were there. You know what? It was funny because the first thought that entered my mind was here are those 13 bags that we could not live without, that we lived without. And you know what? There's so much that we carry in life, that we drag along through life that we can't live without. Oh, we can the thing is, we pack it up and we take it with us and it bogs us down and it limits us. Some people, I can't go on a two-week mission trip because, you know what that tells me? They put something in their bag. I can't give a dime out of every dollar to God because they've got something weighing them down. I, I, I can't serve in, 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 with our children, our preschool, because they're weighing them down. In all your ways acknowledging Him, is there any corner crevice covered of your life that needs to be exposed to Him and cleaned out by you? Through all your ways, acknowledge Him. Don't pack what you shouldn't carry. Once we've allowed the Lord to become our navigator, once we have uh, stopped doing the backseat driving thing, once we've unpacked those things in our life that we really shouldn't be carrying through our life anyway, Guess what? You're ready to enjoy the journey. Which brings me to the, the fourth thing that just to note on this in this passage, to enjoy the journey. God wants you to enjoy this journey with Him. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what does He promise He will do? What's the verse say? Tell me. He'll make our path straight. Now, He said they're going to be easy. Not necessarily. Here's some verses for you. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day. If you ever come in my office and you're ever struggling with a decision in life, and you're ever career, relationship, whatever, wherever it is, and you want me to pray for you, you know what I'm going to pray? I'm going to pray Proverbs 4.18 for you. That This has become one of my most common 
prayer verses for somebody because I want you, if you're living in God's will and you're living with Him and you don't have that extra baggage and you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart and you're not leaning on your understanding and in all your ways you're acknowledging Him, guess what? I can assure you that as you continue on that righteous path, God's will become clearer and clearer and clearer to you every day you live. It will be like the sun lighting up the road. Keep going with Him. Sometimes that means you'll have to wait. Sometimes you have to, if somebody's pressing you to make a decision, you may have to say, no, I'm not ready to make that decision. God has not given me clarity in my heart yet. Proverbs, or Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3 says, He leads me besides the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Sounds nice and easy, doesn't it? Well, and that's exactly what God will do but it's not going to be always driving through beautiful pastures and, and bubbling brooks. You have to look and we don't have time to read it, but in Mark 4:34 and 6:48, God told his disciples to get in the boat and go out into the boat. And you remember what happens in that, in that passage. The storm comes up and they about drown and about die. But hold on, hold on. You've got to remember back. Who told them to get in the boat? God told them to get in the boat. God told him to get in the boat and he knew there was going to be a storm because he's God and he knew that. And Okay, but why did God put him in a boat and know there was going to be a storm? Why didn't he say, hey, you know what? There's going to be a storm coming through. Let's just stay on this side tonight. He put him in a boat so they could build up some trust. God will put you in a storm. God will allow storms to come. And when those storms come, guess what? You're still anchored to him. Remember? You're still trusting in the Lord with all your heart and not leaning on your understanding. Guess what? You will make it through that storm. Paul had, you know, God had a plan for Paul. You remember in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 24, it says, I am going to Jerusalem, bound in the Spirit. I mean, Paul is saying, hey, I know where I'm going. I'm going here, and I know that, that this is what God wants me to do, not knowing what shall befall me there. He didn't know what was going to happen when he got there. He says, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Wow. He knew that as he went, he had hardship in front of him. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you today that if you trust the Lord with all your heart and lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him that your path will be smooth interstate highway from this point forward. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that every time you go on a bumpy road and you hit a pothole and you come to an overflowing brook or whatever, He will be with you as your trusted navigator. He will get you through that storm. He will be the anchor in which you hold your life to. The little poem that says, I may not always know the way wherein the God leads my feet, but this I know and round my path His love and wisdom meet. And so I rest content to know He guides my feet where'er they go. You trusting? Are you trusting? Is He guiding? I think the best way to close this message is to think about Alice in Wonderland. All right, let's go real deep here for just a moment. You remember Alice in Wonderland, the fairy tale, and how Alice is journeying and comes to a crossroads, and she asks the Cheshire, Cheshire cat, she says, which road should I take? What does the cat say back? The cat says, well, where do you want to go? She says, I don't know. The cat responds, then it doesn't matter which road you take. You know, I think it's a way to look at life. What road are you on? Whose road are you on? Whose plan are you on? Oh, it doesn't matter. Whichever is the best plan. Whichever plan hits me at the moment. 
Okay, it doesn't matter. Choose whichever road you want. Get up in the morning and decide then. Let every day be a new decision. Make the commitment today. I'm going on the Lord's road. I'm going to trust in Him as my navigator. And and I'm going to empty my bags and I'm going to quit trying to drive from the back and, and I'm going to let Him lead and I'm going to let Him take me on those paths to figure out how I'm going to cross that ditch and deal with that pothole and take me through that stream. I'm going to let Him figure it out because He's going to guide my path. Before you can know that plan, I just say this to you. You've got to know the man. You've got to have a relationship with the man Christ Jesus. Do you know the man? If you know the man, are you trusting the man? Then you can follow his plan. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we bow before you. Lord, we have many, 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 many options of roads to take in life. Will we trust in You? Will we go with You? Father, I would pray that today You would awaken our souls, our spirits, and show us, Lord, which path we are on, which plan we are following. Father, You would show us if we're following You. Lord, You're good. We thank you so very much for having a plan for us, a plan of hope and a future, a plan that will provide for us. Lord, I would pray today that you would show us if we are trusting in you, the man with the plan. Lord, if there's anything, any baggage, any thing that's holding us back. If if not every area of our life is acknowledging You and smiling at You and You're smiling at it, Lord, if our ways are not acknowledging You today, Lord, help us right here, right now, not delay, but commit our ways to You. Lord, we bless You. Let us have a time of reflection and realignment as we journey on. Jesus' name.